0: It seems this life, this life just brings a lot of heartache, brings a lot of trouble, brings a lot of strife. And in the midst of all the strife and all the heartache, we find ourselves from time to time wondering which way to turn. And I'm convinced our only hope is to turn to Jesus. I don't believe the world has anything for us that can help us in the midst of our turmoil and we've got families all around us. We've probably got families in here or families that you're connected with that's hurting in one way or another. And I I just want to share with you today that we need to just think of Jesus when we think of our family and friends. And today, we want to just talk for a few moments of family and friends. If you have your Bibles, we ask you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. In the Gospel of John, if you don't have your Bibles, I'm sure you have an app on your phone. If you have your tablets, that's fine too. Uh, We want you to be able to see what the Word of God says along with us. And if you don't have any of that, we have it. We'll have it on the screen in just a moment. We're going to look in verses 35 through 51. While you're turning there, have you ever been looking in scripture and found something that caused you to just raise an eyebrow or maybe caused you to wonder if there's a discrepancy or there's any contradiction in the word of God? Yeah, I, I can share with you what I've learned when those times come to me. You want to hear that? Uh, you interested in what I've learned when we think that we've found a contradiction in God's word? I've learned that we need to keep reading. I've learned we need to keep searching because I've also learned that there are no contradiction in God's word. One contradiction in God's word is enough to discredit the entire Bible. One contradiction in God's word is enough to discredit God himself. And the Bible tells us in Isaiah 40 and 8 that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. The Bible tells us in Galatians 1 and 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then while we have preached to you, let him be accursed. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 1 and 25 that, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Well oh, we can trust the word of the Lord. And there are times in our in in our reading, in our studying, we may run across a scripture that may challenge us somewhat. In the gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what they record is that Jesus met up with Simon and Andrew as they were fishing. In these gospels, we find that Jesus calls them to follow him and that he will make them fishers of men. But here in John's gospel, we find that Andrew is one of two who's been following John the Baptist. And as John sees Jesus walking up, he declares, behold, the Lamb of God. In the passage, Andrew and and another at that moment sought to spend time with Jesus and just to listen as he spoke. I don't know if that means anything to you, but I want you to know this, that when the presence of Jesus is ever around, everything else becomes second fiddle. Everything else has to step aside. I'm convinced that even in a worship service, if we're truly worshiping it and the the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus, his presence with us, we won't care who's sitting beside us and we'll be willing to raise our hand. We'll be willing to say amen. We'll be willing to... To to, to really shout for Jesus because of what he's done for us. I've come to understand and learn that in the presence of Jesus, when he is revealed to us through the power of his Holy Spirit, nothing else matters to us in that moment. Have you ever been driving your vehicle down the road and just out of nowhere as you're listening to either preaching or you're listening to some song, you start singing loud or start raising your hand and and it doesn't matter who's driving by or how crazy they may think you are, you just want to worship God in that moment. Have you ever been in your home and all of a sudden you just start shouting out and somebody says, what's wrong in you? Your mind and your heart is on the presence of Jesus. The Holy Spirit has revealed him to you and it doesn't matter what the people in the home feel. Folks, I'm just convinced that in the presence of Jesus, everything else has to step back and we have to worship him. Here, We find this taking place in this passage. We find that as Andrew and another are following after John the Baptist, John recognizes the Lamb of God. And when he does, nothing else matters to Andrew and the other. They just want to get near to Jesus. I hope that's how you feel today. That when the presence of Jesus is revealed to you, but you want nothing else but Jesus. Here we look in this passage. The Bible tells us the next day, the next day, after Jesus, this next day is after Jesus has come out of the wilderness, after he had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, after he had been tempted and tried in the desert, here the next day. John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he whom I said, after he comes, a man who is preferred before me. For he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John, John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he remained upon him. Look down in verse 35 as we get to our text. Again, the next day, (laughs) John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And two disciples heard heard him speak, and they followed him. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated, teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak And followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus went to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and, he, and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him whom Moses in the law, and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. And Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathaniel said to him, How do you know? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree, and I saw you. Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe you will see greater things than these? And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon The Son of Man. This is God's holy word. God, we just thank you for your word. And God, we just pray in this moment that you would bring clarity of mind, that God, you would open my heart, that you would open my mind, you would allow me to hear from you, that you would hide me behind the cross, you would come forth, speak to your people. And God, as you do, we pray that you are glorified and your sons magnified. God, we pray that you move and minister in a way among this congregation, among us all, God, that where there'd be someone who says, I have a family lost, I have a friend lost, and they'll go seek that family, they'll go seek that friend. We pray, God, that if there's one here with us that doesn't know you for the forgiveness of sin, that today that they would call out, what must I do to be saved? Now, God, as you move and minister, you pour your spirit upon us, and we'll praise you for what's accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, as I struggle with trying to make sense of this series or this discourse of events, trying to figure out how do they line up? When I'm thinking of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then I read John, and the discourse of what's taking place seems to be a little different. My mind, I've got to make some sense of this, because we want to be true to the text. However, what it does show in here is there are a couple things that happened. As Jesus noticed, Andrew and the other disciple listening and following him He asked them the question, what do you seek? Now they in turn asked Jesus, where are you going? And Jesus extends to them an invitation to come and see. In other words, Jesus told the men to follow me. You know, that seems to be something that is consistent throughout the gospel. It's Jesus' extending invitations for people to come and see or people to follow him. You know here at Reedy Branch we know Reedy Branch we know that we're going to always offer an invitation if we're going to have a preaching service we're going to have a singing service we're going to offer an invitation and I, I get a little beside myself when whenever a church would have the audacity to come together at a meeting such as this and they would proclaim God's word after singing God's word in song and not it's then an invitation for somebody to follow him Uh, now that bothers me it should bother you it should bother the leaders in that church because there should never be a time we'd meet like this and someone not know that they can come and meet jesus Here, right here, when we look in this, as we see Jesus has extended this invitation for them to follow them. In that very moment, Andrew and the other made a decision to accept the invitation. According to verse 39, what we find is they came and they saw Jesus. They came and saw where he was standing and they remained with him that day. Here at this time, Andrew and his friend came and saw, that is that they were, they were by Jesus' side. They were in his presence. They received him, and, and he met their needs. At this time, Jesus changed their lives forever. Andrew and his friend in this moment, in this very moment, committed their lives to Jesus. Now, there may be some today who's been wondering if, in fact, this Jesus that we preach this Jesus that we teach this Jesus that we serve you may be wondering if he is real you may be wondering if in fact that he does love you you may be wondering if in fact that he would forgive you of your sins but uh, of your sins but I want to assure you today on the authority of the word of God that Jesus is real John 1 1 1 through 3 says in the beginning was the word the word was with God and the word was God and the word was and, and he He was in the beginning with God and all things that were made were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made over in in verse 14 of that same chapter he says and the word became flesh and dwelt among us we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth he is real today I want to assure you today, on the authority of God's word, that he does love you. John 3:16 says, "For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Amen. I want to assure you on the authority of God's word that he will forgive you of your sins. John, if we, if we look here, we'll find in John 1 and 9 that if we, first John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As a matter of fact, Romans 10 and 13 says, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Yes. I want you to know right now, you can be saved and all you must do is come and see, come and see. Come follow Jesus. Now, here that Andrew and this other's life has changed, it appears they have a great desire to see other lives changed. So what we notice here in this text is that Andrew had a great love for his family. When we look here in this text, the Bible says that immediately Andrew found his brother Simon. Now, in light of the other gospel writings or the other gospel accounts, it seems that it is possible that Andrew had brought Jesus near a place where his brother was fishing. And that Andrew found his brother Simon and then approaches him and says, We have found the Messiah and Andrew brought him to Jesus and when Jesus looked at him he changed his life. Here Jesus changed Simon's name from Peter which is in the original language Cephas which means a stone but I want us to notice that Andrew, Andrew himself was the very least of two sets of brothers that Jesus called to follow him as disciples. We hear a lot about James and John. We hear a lot about Peter. We don't hear a lot about Andrew. As a matter of fact, Andrew's only mentioned nine times in the New Testament and he's only mentioned in passing. But I want us to think for a moment. Can you imagine if Andrew had not gone immediately to bring Peter to Jesus? It's possible we wouldn't have the account of Peter running to the tomb and declaring that Jesus is alive. It's possible if Andrew hadn't went immediately to his brother that we wouldn't have Acts 2 where Peter preached that sermon at Pentecost and 3,000 souls were added to the church. It's possible if Andrew hadn't went immediately to his brother, we wouldn't have the account in Acts 3 where a beggar looked up at Peter and said, and and desired his alms, and Peter looked down at him and said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I to thee. Stand up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I want to tell you, it's because a man loved his family so much that he was seeking him to tell him that they had found the Messiah. It's possible we wouldn't have those two letters that's accredited to Peter the where we would have instruction on how to live for Jesus in the midst of trials and tribulation. It's possible we wouldn't have the gospel of Mark had Andrew not have loved his family enough to go tell him he had found the Messiah. Oh, <laughs> But we have these accounts. We have these accounts because Andrew loved his family enough to bring his brother to Jesus. I remember on occasion several years ago after a funeral took place here, I'm gonna be honest with you, I can't really remember if I preached the service. I can't really remember if I was on the service. I remember I was here. I don't remember whose it was. I didn't bother looking it up because that's not what's important. What's important is that somewhere in the service, one of the ministers said this, that I do remember. He said, I don't have a heaven or a hell to put anyone in because this brother didn't leave a testimony, or this sister, whoever it was, they didn't leave a testimony. That was the most comforting thing he could think of to say to the family. And when I walked outside, there was a lady that we know very well. She walked up to me with tears in her eyes and with frustration on her face. Preacher, I don't want these to be the best words that said over my sister. As soon as I leave this place I'm going to go talk to her about Jesus she had such a love for her family such a love for her sister that she had to go and tell her sister about Jesus let me tell you what took place the very next Sunday that following Sunday her sister come into church with her and her sister walked down an aisle and her sister gave her life to Jesus and right now she's in a facility an assisted living facility and not communicating very well or very much to anybody, we have the assurance that God is with her. We have this assurance because somebody loved her enough to go and tell her she needed Jesus. I want us to know if we've got family who's lost, we need to let them know that they need Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yes, We hear too often, it's harder to witness the family, and I get that. I get that. (laughs) I've got family that is hard to to witness to, but I've come to understand this. They may know all about my past, but they should see my present and know that it ain't like my past. They should see the life that i 'm living is because i 'm being radically changed, and there 's only one who can radically change us. I want you to know that they should see such a difference in our lives that they want to know what 's took place in our lives, and with all sincerity, with all seriousness, I want you to know this: there is no one going to cry over your family like you 're going to cry over your family. I can sit with you, I can hug you I can hold you I can cry with you but I won't cry over your family the way you'll cry over your family as a matter of fact no one will pray for your family like you pray for your family no one will no one will have a desire to lift them up in prayer every time they call out Jesus name but you will I want to tell you no one's gonna love your family like you love your family And if I, or you, if we have family who are lost, oh, they need to come to Jesus. And it's gonna take us reaching out to our family. You know what we got to do? We've got to live for Jesus in front of them. We've got to share Jesus with them. And we've got to seek Jesus in prayer for them. Here we see a brother who finds Jesus. And he goes running to his brother, his family, to tell him, we found the Messiah. No one loved Peter like Andrew loved Peter. But maybe his mom, maybe his dad. I would say they loved him more. <sighs> the Bible tells us there's one that sticks closer than a brother. you yeah, not only be our family he be our friend. And when we look in this text and we continue to look further, we find that while Andrew is displaying love for his family, Philip shows love for a friend. The following day, the very next day, the Bible tells us that Jesus went to Galilee. You know what got me when I really looked at this? Jesus went to Galilee and found Philip. (laughs) We've been teaching this for some time. He went and found Philip and said, Philip, come follow me. This seems to be just completely out of the blue. There's no indication that Philip knew Jesus. There's no indication that Jesus had ever saw Philip. As a matter of fact, the intent that we see in here is that Jesus is seeking Philip. Philip's not seeking Jesus. We aren't told a lot of specific things about Philip other than he's from the same town that Peter and Andrew's from. And here Jesus initiated An encounter with Philip. Philip wasn't looking for him, but Jesus was looking for him. Every born again Christian in this place today, it started with Jesus looking for us. You can think you went looking for him. You can think you realized where you were at. You can think that you realized that you were lost and undone and on your way to a demon's hell. But I want to assure you today that you didn't realize nothing until he revealed that to you. If not for Jesus, none of us would be saved. some of us here may be wondering well why are you here today why are you drawn to a place like this on this day I want you to know it's because Jesus is seeking you contrary to popular opinion no one can get saved just when they want to get saved instead we must be drawn to him and he seeks us he finds us and he calls us to follow him and if there's anyone in this place today don't come to me don't ever step foot in my face and say well I would get saved but I just haven't felt the presence of God it ain't about your feelings it's about faith I want you to know that if Jesus ain't calling you because you feel something he's calling you because he's been revealed to you that you need a savior and because you need a savior because he brought you to a place like this where you can hear the gospel you can have an invitation to receive him so Philip he follows the Lord the Lord went looking to him. He found him. Calls out to him and Philip follows him. How do we know this? The Bible tells us that Philip went and found Nathaniel, And he told him, we have found the one who Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. There's no way Philip would have known who Jesus was, let alone he was the one that Moses and the prophets spoke about had he not have received Jesus and spent some time with him I want to say while I'm here that we can have our doubts on who Jesus is but if we spend a little time with him he'll reveal himself to us when we respond to him by faith, the more, we will know, the more we'll get to know him and, and the more we'll get to know him in an intimate way and the more we get to know him in an intimate way, the less others will see us and the more they'll see him in us, which is exactly what he's wanting from us. You know what's striking is, is that Philip committed to follow Jesus. He immediately... Once he committed to follow Jesus, he immediately found a friend. And he shared with him his encounter with Jesus. Immediately. He didn't wait. Listen, he didn't wait six months. He didn't go through a discipleship training program. He didn't didn't wait till he had been saved long enough. He didn't wait till he had the right words to use. He immediately went and found someone who needed to know this man he had just come to know. I remember when I rededicated my life, and I I mean, when I really committed my life to serve Jesus, I went straight home, called a friend, found out where he was at, he went straight to him. When I went straight to him, I shared with him what had happened, and he just embraced me. He had been praying for me. Oh, he was so happy to know that I had come to know Jesus. You know, that encounter was nothing like Philip's encounter. Because in this passage, Philip is sharing his news with a non believer. I shared mine with a believer. So here, what we find is Nathaniel is extremely skeptical. <laughs> He responds with can anything good come out of Nazareth. You know it's easy for us to get discouraged when we when we take the opportunity that God provides for us. And we share Jesus with someone and, and they respond with skepticism or or they respond with not wanting to hear what we have to say. It's easy to become discouraged. But we must realize that Jesus come to us and, and he revealed himself to us and he called us to follow him. We don't have to take the rejection from, from others personal. Philip didn't take Nathaniel's rejection personally. Instead, he simply said, come see. Here, there, there may be times when Our words just won't help someone that we love, some friend that we're close to, someone that we know that needs Jesus. Sometimes our words just won't work. Sometimes we have to just encourage them to come and see. We have to encourage them to come to church with us. It may be that they need to hear the word of God taught or preached in in an ordered fashion. It may be that they need to be in a place where they can witness others worshiping the Lord. Romans 10 and 14 says, how then shall they call? Call on him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher? Sometimes the best we can do is just get them to a place where there's other people who love God and demonstrate that they love him, demonstrate that he's real in their lives so that he can become real in theirs. The truth is, is that they need Jesus to make himself revealed, to them. Jesus needs to become real to them, and He can only, He's the only one who can do that. Here in verses 47 and verse 8 48, the Bible says, And Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. And Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, But Philip, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Jesus revealed to nathaniel who nathaniel was and i want to tell you you may not believe that you're rotten you may not believe that you're no good you may not believe that you're on your way to hell but when jesus when jesus gets in your face and when jesus reveals who he is and you start to see who you really are you will come to understand exactly who you are Amen. you're in need of a savior yes when Jesus revealed to Nathaniel who, Nathan- who he was, by telling him who Nathaniel was, Nathaniel believed Jesus to be the Rabbi, the Son of God, the King of Israel, and because of Nathaniel's newfound faith in how, in who Jesus was, Jesus declared that he would see heaven open up and the angel of God ascending. And descending upon the Son of Man. There was an occasion in the book of Acts where a man had letters in his hand. These letters were from Jewish leaders, religious leaders. they had given permission to Saul of Tarsus to persecute and arrest Christians. But the road, but on the road to Damascus, the reincarnate Christ. <laughs> Appeared before Saul and he blinded him and he called him by name. He showed Saul that he knew him and what he was up to. He asked Saul, Why are you persecuting me? Then he revealed himself to Saul, saying, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Saul wasn't persecuting the people, he was persecuting Jesus. So I told you, don't take it personally if they reject you. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. Amen. But when Jesus reveals who he is, you see, here, Jesus revealed himself to Saul. He said, It is hard for you to kick against the goats. And Saul then responded with, Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? From that day on, after Jesus revealed himself to Saul, Saul's life became radically changed. Saul's name was changed to Paul. He was no longer the persecutor of Christians. He began to preach, began to be the preacher of the gospel. Folks, we must be more like Andrew and Philip. We must, if we have family that's far from God, we need to bring them to Jesus. We need to live for Jesus in front of them. We need to share Jesus with them, and we need to seek Jesus in prayer for them. And if we have friends who are far from God, we must share the good news of the gospel with them. And if our words are rejected, we must not take it personal, but we must allow not allow this to discourage us but instead we must take every uh, uh, occasion to invite them to church to invite them to, to hear the word of God to invite them to listen to the songs of Zion saying we must continue to seek God's face on their behalf we must pray that Jesus would reveal himself to those who are far from him in this text We see Andrew went after his one and he brought his family, his brother, Peter to Jesus. In this text, we find Philip went after his one. He found a friend, Nathaniel and he brought Nathaniel to Jesus. My question, Church Hilton, Are we seeking our one? Are we seeking for our one? Oh, it's so good to have two names on this board. Yeah, I'm longing for Brother Lawton to get to church so we can celebrate with him. I'm longing to see Justin walk through the doors one Sunday, whether he comes and makes this his church or not. But I'm just longing to see these who's now part of us. No longer one that we're seeking God for, but now they're one who is a part of us. I'm longing to celebrate with Him. Well, we hope you've enjoyed the message today. And if you happen to not have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, we want to invite you to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's as simple as the ABCs. If you would admit that you are a sinner and that you are in need of a Savior and believe that God sent His very Son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to be the sacrifice for our sins and that He died for our sins and He arose on the third day. And then if you would confess Him as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved. You must believe this with all your heart and you must be willing to serve Him. If you are, all you have to do is talk with Jesus. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a church to get saved. But if you get saved, find yourself a Bible-believing church. And I believe God will richly bless you.